you are listening to the Brand Architect Podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hello there and welcome to the Brand Architect Podcast. It's me, Ani Alexander, and as always today, we will have a really interesting interview. I'm very excited about this one because I will be talking to a friend of mine I met online a little bit over two years ago when I was just just starting podcasting. So in this interview, we will be discussing podcasting a lot. And I just want to let you know that I am organizing something really, really cool. I'm doing a launch your podcast challenge online. And it starts on September 30th, which is the International Podcast Day. So it's a free challenge where I will teach you all the basics, everything that you need to know in order to launch your own podcast and finally start rocking the mic. Why you need to have a podcast, you will uh, know by listening to the interview because we cover so many things that I'm sure you would like to have your own podcast at that point by the time the interview finishes. So I'm more than willing to help you with that. It's a seven-day challenge. I will have different Facebook live sessions. I have prepared many downloadable PDFs and resources that will help you out. And if you follow things through, I'm sure that you will end up with a launch podcast in just seven days and you will finally make things happen. So if you want more details and if you want to know how to join me, I would be more than happy to have you over. Just head to annealexander.com backwards slash challenge. annealexander.com backwards slash challenge. Okay, now let's get back to our guest. So I'm talking to John Nestor. John Besides that he is a proud dad and husband, he is also an online entrepreneur who loves creating, marketing and selling cool things online. He's also the creator and host of the Hack the Entrepreneur podcast, which is one of the top business podcasts out there. It's very popular and successful and the show reveals the fears, habits and inner battles behind big name entrepreneurs and those on the path to success. I already interviewed his daughter, so you can check it out on the Right to Be Right podcast. So basically, uh, you know, I'm really happy that we finally, I'm, I I can't even think why I interviewed your daughter way before I interviewed <laughs> you. <laughs> but I'm really happy that, you know, we're back and we're doing this finally. So welcome to the show, John. Thank you so much for having me. And I have to admit, my daughter is she's she's pretty excited that I'm getting interviewed now by you. But she was like a year ago or more. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was the first. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, as always, we're going to talk about uh, you know establishing brand, growing audiences, and all that stuff. But uh, before that, I want to talk to you about your podcast because I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think the podcast was the thing that actually helped you with really getting visibility online. Is that right? Uh, like personal brand? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the reason why I started it. Um, 
So that's 100% the reason. Okay, so you, you did this inter- intentionally and, and launching a podcast uh, with your name and doing it yourself was a strategic move, is that it? Yeah, exactly. I had a software business before that and it was going well, but I, I wanted visibility. I wanted to like people to reach out to me and have conversations and meet people. So I was told that a podcast was probably the best way for me to do that. Okay, so basically, uh, I remember one thing, and you know, since we touched this thing about personal branding, let's just you know follow that that uh, thought. Uh, actually, I remember that your initial uh, first visual for the podcast did not include you on it, and later on, after a while, you you know you you had a new visual with with your face on it. So, so can we touch base on that thing? Because, you know, things happened with me as well. And, and you know, I, I can imagine why you did that. But, you know, what happened in your case specifically? That's a good question. So I believe it was about episode 150 that I changed my artwork to include my face. And before that, it was literally just a yellow background with the little logo. And the reason was, I want to blame it on being Canadian um, and just being like really humble. I, I don't like myself, but like, I don't like myself as like the center point necessarily, but it, and I guess I wanted the focus to be on my guests, not on me. I think was my initial sort of thinking was that it's not about me. It's about my guests and what I can kind of like pull out from them and then give to my audience. So I didn't want it to be about me. But then after about 150 episodes, it really kind of became about me, I guess, because I had been involved in 150 of the conversations at this point and all the writing and work around it. So it was when I joined the Rainmaker network, um, Rainmaker.fm, they built me a new site and then they asked if I would like new artwork. Um, They have brilliant designers over there. And so I was like, well, I like my artwork. I mean, I (laughs) I paid $10 for it on Fiverr. It's working pretty well. It got me on the network. It's doing well for me. But I said, I'm totally open. Like, let's look at some stuff. And so they asked me to send them some photos and stuff. And so I got a photo shoot done. I was actually living in Vancouver, Canada at the time. And so I got some photos done and I sent them to them and they came back with about 10 different ideas. And the one that we picked actually just has my face from a side profile. And I really liked it. And I, like, I asked my audience about it, like in a Facebook group that I have. Mm-hmm. And, and people seemed to dig it. They thought it was kind of cool. So I was like, all right, fair enough. Let's just go with it. And I'm really happy with it now. And it really does help my personal brand in that way. And it's actually helped the show grow itself because the artwork is much more professional than it was. Um, but I think the only reason was Annie is just that I was too Canadian and humble at the beginning to do it. And then once it kind of had begun, begun to become something, my show, um, I felt confident enough in putting my face on it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can totally relate to that because it's, uh, you know, I, I always sort of debated about this, how much you should put yourself out there in your content. But I realized that I, actually we both have interview based shows and uh, very often people tell me that it's very difficult to sort of, you know, to show yourself as well in the interview based shows because most of the interviewees tend to hide behind their guests like you know they they 
let the guests do most of the talking. And uh, so they don't really reveal who they are and don't talk about themselves so much. So how are you in your case, especially since, you know, most of your guests are, you know, incredibly um, big names and very popular people. So people are curious about how do you keep this balance between, you know, yourself and your guest when you're interviewing them? Another good question. So this has evolved. So the first 50 episodes of Hack the Entrepreneur, I talked way too much um, because I wanted to put myself in there and become part of it. Um, Also, I didn't think I was going to go past like 30 episodes. That was kind of my initial plan was just do these 30. It'll be fun. Talk to these 30 people I want to talk to. And then I'll just move back into my business. Um, But it kind of took on its own life. And so after 50 episodes, I realized that I need to just start asking questions that really push my guests to open up and talk more and pull myself out of it. And then at that point, what I did was I started my email newsletter um, and I started pushing people hard on every single episode to get onto that newsletter because I'm going to write something very personal every single Sunday to you. And that was my sort of voice to open up. At the same time, I got um, asked to write for Entrepreneur and then for Copy Blogger. So these were places that I got to write and I got to do my work. Um, and the podcast to me was, it's like a funnel for people in through guests that they might already know or not know. Um, I don't have to come up with the content all the time because I just ask the question and they share all the great content. Um, and then it brings people into my brand, which is my site typically, or my Twitter feed. And then I get them onto my writing, um, or my book, which now has extended out further. Um, and so that's where I really get personal with people. And that's where they really find out about me, about my businesses, about how I think, about how I act, about what I'm up to. Um, but I don't, I really, I really, really, really focus on not letting it bleed into my show. Like my intros, when I first come in and say hi, I literally just say, hi, thanks for coming back to Hack the Entrepreneur. I'm John Naster. And then I go straight into it every single time. It's not like... You don't tell anymore that you can call me Johnny? (laughs) I I do. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, it's John Naster, but you can call me Johnny. Totally. I do that. That's it. And it's still... And some people have been like, why don't you like talk more at the beginning? It's just like... I don't know. It's doing what I've done right now has gotten me fairly far and I think it's working. So I'm not going to break that part of it. Um, I'm going to do all my talking in other places. Um, So if that's YouTube or if that's on my blog or if that's on another blog or if that's in my newsletter, that's where I'm going to talk because I don't want it to clutter up my show. Um, But I also 100% agree that when you make it about your guest that you kind of get sidelined a bit, but at the same time you don't, right? Like, I mean, some of the biggest interviewers in our time, like there's like Barbara Walters and there's, um, that old guy whose name I can't remember. Larry King? Uh, Larry King. How, yeah. how could I not even remember? We all know them, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's not about them, any of the interviews. They just keep interviewing people, but we know them. Um, like We start to learn who these people are because they've had contact with so many smart people and they've brought out such great content from those people. So I think it's wrong to, to think that. And I... I really saw a turning point in my show around like episode 60 and 70 when I really started to pull back um, myself and really just let my guest and pushed my guest to talk more and to share more and to do more and just kind of lead them into things. But that's it. And then stop there. Uh, yeah. But I also so 
just to keep talking, sorry. Um, but another issue that I found, and this is actually how I became kind of aware of it, was I was batching recordings. So I was doing like six recordings in like a uh-huh. Tuesday sort of thing. And because something might have happened in my business on Monday that was like top of mind to me, I'm having six like 25-minute conversations back to back with different people. But I would keep referring to what happened yesterday sort of thing. And uh, it would seem like, and it would seem like, oh, this is important to me because this just happened. And I'm having this different conversation with somebody completely different. But now I'm publishing these for the next two weeks, all the episodes. And people are like, dude, you talked about that same thing for like two weeks. And it's like, oh, <laughs> I just talked about it for an afternoon. But with the publishing schedule, you know what I mean? So yeah, I yeah. wasn't thinking about my audience. I was thinking about myself and trying to like get help with my business from these smart people. Um, uh, but it yeah. extended out over two weeks and people got tired of listening to it. So the more I pull myself out, the more that variable is removed. Oh yeah, that's that's a very important thing you mentioned in between about you, you were telling this, like, you know, you were not paying attention to the audience. And, and I guess, you know, that, that must have been a turning point once you have them at the center, like, you know, the guest and the audience instead of the guest and yourself, you, you must have, uh, you know, felt the difference in terms of their feedback and the way they feel about it, right? Definitely, definitely. That's sort of the big first turning point of the show where it really started to kind of take off and get more ground. Okay, so you said that you decided to launch your podcast, um, you know, in order to establish your brand and gain visibility online for your brand. So uh, do you think this is like, you know, um, the best way for everyone? Is podcasting something like personality related or, you know, or anyone can, can do a nice podcast. I don't think anybody could do it. Um, but that being said, Annie, I was the last person that I thought could do it. Um, I hate the sound of my voice. I Everyone does. Ta- we all I know. hate I our voices. <laughs> I couldn't talk into a microphone without being like super nervous and like freaked out. Um, and all of those things, and I never, I, I never thought about interviewing anybody. I had never interviewed anybody in my life before I started my show, and all of those things you would think should be a reason why John Nastier couldn't succeed as a podcaster. I'm now a full time. I literally like this is what supports my whole family in existence as a podcast, um, which is mind blowing to me. Well, it's interesting you said that because I, I want to touch. That because I've always been told, and I, I sort of agreed with that, that, you know, if you are launching a podcast with the notion that that is a business, podcast is not a business by itself. You have to have a backend stuff, you know, backing it up, and, and you don't really make the money from the podcast itself. You're making the money from, you know, from the leads that come through your, so podcast is basically the marketing for your business, but it's not your business. So uh, what is it in your case? Because you said you're making money with your podcast. So, yeah, that's a good distinction. So there's there's like indirect ways and there's direct monetization, right? So direct monetization is literally sponsorships on my show. Um, that is where a large portion of my revenue comes from. Um, I, I sell two ad spots 
per episode, three episodes a week, that's six ad spots. And you can't buy an ad spot on my show before like December right now, which is like three months from now. Um, it's just how it is. So that's awesome. It drives the price up and I get paid well from it. So there's that. And then there's indirect, right? So indirect is everything else that happens around it, whether it's affiliate sales or whether it's partnerships with people, whether it's products, whether it's services, whether it's consulting, whatever it happens to be, there's all those things. And I don't really do, I don't really do a whole lot that's directly related to hack the entrepreneur. But that being said, Annie, it extends out even further that literally everything I do right now in my life and in my business is because of my podcast. So so I'll explain. So I just launched a new site like a month ago. Um, it's to do with music. It's called Showlist at showlist.io for music nerds like myself. Um, that was built by a developer who was a listener of my show for like two years. So when I announced on my show, started talking about it at the end that I wanted to do this new project, he reached out and said, I'm building that for you. Awesome. Uh, yesterday, I went to an amazing conference, saw Seth Godin, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. I was at that conference because of my podcast. I went to a conference two weeks ago with brilliant, brilliant people. I was invited there because of my podcast. I work with Copyblogger, and I have a podcasting course and another show with them that I partner with on them, which creates a really nice side income. And it's 100% because of Hack the Entrepreneur, <laughs> although it's not that show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I write for entrepreneur.com 100% only because of my podcast. That's how I was introduced to them. That's how they asked me to write everything. Um, but it doesn't create a direct income, but it does send a ton of traffic to my site, which puts people on my newsletter, which then when I sell something, people do buy it. Um, my book is not a, it's not my podcast. It's called Hack the Entrepreneur, but it's totally kind of unrelated. But at the same time, it's based on my audience coming to my site, buying it because of that. And it's not podcasting. Um, so you know what I mean? It's yeah. just the, it's almost the people that starting a podcast will introduce you to and the network effect and the idea of getting this momentum and looking at somebody like you, Annie, who's like, doing stuff. You have like 150 something episodes. It's like, wow. If, if you ask me to be on your show, it's like, yeah, that's awesome. Of course. Like you're doing stuff. If you ask me for anything, it's like, yes, of course you're in motion. I want to help you. Everybody else wants to work with you. It's the person who, well, I'm thinking of maybe starting possibly doing this, maybe a podcast, oh, maybe yeah. I'll start. And you know what I mean? <laughs> but they haven't started anything. It's like, nobody's going to pick you up and push you and get you started. But when you're already in motion, everybody wants to kind of grab your hand and pull you along. It's just how it works. So to me, it's, it's so indirect, some of it, um, that you can't even hardly put it together in your head. But if I think back and go through all the connections, it's like, wow, I don't know her unless I started a podcast. It all I wouldn't know that. you without a podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I wouldn't know, like, uh, I guess 90% of the people I know now because you, unless, you know, I launched my podcast. So I absolutely get it. And I totally understand this. Uh, and, uh, you know, the bigger you get, uh, the bigger the opportunities, uh, you know, 
are on your way, obviously. So I, I was just listening to a Facebook live stream of Mark Schaefer just before I, I started recording this interview. And he was talking about uh, the book, uh, the upcoming book that he's writing about, and it's about how to become known. And he was talking about the importance of being known, because now these days, unfortunately, no one really cares about what you know. Everyone is about, you know, once you are already known, then they listen to you and what you have to say. But before that, you know, you have to get there, first of all. So I guess it's the same thing with the podcast. You know, you can launch a podcast, but until you eventually get at some point of, you know, uh, audience size, visibility, guest list, of, you know, certain people you, you get on your list, etc. It's, it's, it's a bit of hard work to get there. So can we like follow your journey? Obviously, when you just launched, you know, you didn't have uh, tens of thousands downloads in day one. Uh, so what was your path? How did you approach in growing your listenerships and making uh, people know that your podcast exists and you are out there and you provide the content? Ooh, that's a big question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so... You're right. I didn't have tens of thousands of downloads. I launched like September 5th of what, 2014. And September, I had 2,600 downloads, um, which was amazing. I was like, wow, this is really, really cool. But then in October, I had 26,000 downloads. Um, and then it just kind of scaled from there. And I was like, whoa, that's, that's pretty crazy. Um, and so here's the thing that I did, Annie. And I I still do it, I think, to a fault, um, meaning that because of where my show's grown, and I don't think I've really quite um, got my head around where the show's got to. Um, so there's, from a business perspective, um, there's this great book called What Got You Here Won't Get You to There, um, which usually we think that whatever got me to here, right, if I just do that, to like double it or triple it, then I'll just get twice or three times bigger. And it's not true. You have to kind of completely change. So what I did was, first of all, I, I knew how to brand. I knew how to kind of create hooks within the show to bring people back. So I felt confident that people would enjoy it. But I also didn't really care too much because I just wanted to talk to those 30 people and have 30 really cool conversations. Um, so I ignored my audience to that point. I really did. This was like selfish. I wasn't talking about a subject that I didn't care about that I just thought was a big like market to enter. I'm just fascinated with business and entrepreneurs. So this was true. And people, I think, could sense that from me being really, really, really into the conversations. Um, and then I just kind of put my head down and I didn't actually listen really well to my audience. Um, I just kind of kept doing what I thought was the right thing to do and ignoring like the stats, ignoring the numbers when they would drop and just not watching things. I still, I don't really watch things at all, except when I have to go in once a week to Libsyn, um, then I see it's like, oh, cool. Everything's as it's supposed to be perfect. Mm -hmm. But, and so what that means is that I just had this vision of like this one person, this one person that was sitting out there listening to me and I was always talking to him. And then it changed to her because there's actually more women that listen to me than men, um, but which I found out now and I didn't know that before. But I, I, don't, still, I don't still allow myself the, the capability to realize that when I record an episode this afternoon after we get off this call, that episode's going to go out next week and it's going to be downloaded by like 20,000 people. That's, that's something that I don't 
allow myself to do. I still just talk to one person and I, it, it stops me from, I think, reaching even that next level now um, because I don't see my show as sort of at the level that it's at. But it's got me to here and I trust that it would get any show that anybody starts today, it will get you there. If you brand it right, if you set a good format, and if you're truly passionate about what you're talking about, and you just always 100% imagine this one person that you're talking to on the other side of that microphone, like obviously there's a guest involved usually, but it's always for this one third person sitting at the table with you. You're asking questions that she needs to know. And that when this person answers, like I'm answering you, there's this third person sitting there that's just like, but, but John, I just, I want to ask you this. And they're not there. They don't have that. You are the only person who gets to speak for your audience. That one person. I honestly believe because this is how I did it, that if you focus on that one person and you know that one person so well, Annie, that it's going to take two years. It took me two years, but eventually that one person is going to turn into 20,000. It's just the way it works. It's, yeah. there's, it's, I think people want to think of the 20,000 or the 1,000 or the 2,000 first. And so you're talking to this big giant room of people and everybody thinks different things and acts differently, looks differently and works different jobs and lives in different countries. And you're just so scattered that you can't speak to any of them personally. Podcasting is very intimate. Somebody's walking right now, walking their dog with us in their ears, talking to them. They don't care that there's 20 other thousand people. They really don't. They care about them. And that's what will get you there. But unfortunately, if you're at the 20,000 mark, it's not going to get you to the next place, I don't think, because it hasn't gotten me there. Um, It's gotten me to here. And I think I need to now change my perspective of it and sort of build on that. Well, I totally agree with you because, you know, what you mentioned is actually what what I have discovered as well. Uh, And for two reasons, because I think when you are focusing on just one person, like your ideal listener, uh, even when we are listening to a podcast, we want to have this special feeling that, you know, they talk for you, they talk to you specifically. So, you know, you, once you get that feeling, it's a very intimate feeling and it resonates with you and you want to go back to that podcast over and over again. And... Um, the second thing is, uh, besides that, like, you know, I am getting sometimes feedback from people saying that you ask exactly the questions I would like to <laughs> ask myself, which is very interesting because you mentioned that. And the interesting part is that, you know, especially when, you know, initially I was doing Write to Be Read podcast, uh, it was for newbie writers and I had already three published books and two bestsellers. So obviously I knew many answers that they didn't. So I was intentionally asking, you know, relatively basic and stupid questions from my perspective. But I was still asking and we were going through those topics because I knew that, you know, that one ideal listener needed to know. So I, you know, that definitely worked for me as well. And uh, yeah, the same here. I don't know what's going to ha- work next to, to put it into another level, <laughs> but we'll figure out and share with each other. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so the only, the only change that I put to that is I don't call them an ideal listener. Um, I don't think there's anything such as an ideal person or an ideal friend or an ideal human being. And there's no ideal listener. You have listeners who are actual human beings with all their faults and errors and things that and, and usually we have audiences that we don't intend to get at the beginning. We think like all you can do is launch with this plan and this 
vision of this quote uh, ideal person. But once you're live, you have real, you have a real person sitting there and you have to know that person. So that's the only switch is that I think sometimes we keep focusing on that ideal person. It's like that ideal person isn't even around here listening. So I don't know who you're talking to because she's sitting right here and you have to know who she is. You do that by talking to her. You write emails, you do like every kind of social media, you talk to people, you listen to them, you ask them questions and you actually care to listen and you find out what her troubles are, where she lives, what she does, how old she is, how many kids she has. It's not ideal. None yeah. of it is. Yeah, I'm not it's, an ideal person. It's, it's, it's pretty real. It's a yeah, human. That's true. It's pretty real. Yeah. I mean, I totally get it. So basically, you know, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that it's so much easier when you start getting engagement and interaction and it becomes a dialogue because in the very beginning when we are just creating our audiences, when we're just starting and the first days you have this feeling that you're talking to yourself because you don't get any anything you know any feedback you're not getting the emails you're not getting reviews yet you know it, it's a vacuum for for quite a while so uh how do you actually make sure that you start getting things slow because that keeps your motivation that helps you know your listener better that is like a big big thing that you you know you need to have eventually so how do you get there uh, by not caring about it um, and not de- and and not depending on it, um, because it's it's all we're looking for is reassurance that what we're doing somebody cares about. And unfortunately, it's like creating a product that nobody care is ever going to care about your podcast or your product as much as you do. Um, and if you go into it like needing that validation you won't probably continue. That's why most people stop because they tell me all the time, it's like, well, I wasn't getting feedback. It's like, who cares? When was the last time somebody asked me for feedback on their show and I stopped everything I was doing just for them and said, wow, great job. It doesn't happen a whole lot. It's not that I don't love their show. It's just that I'm selfish. We're all selfish and we're all freaking busy doing a lot of things. It doesn't mean that I don't get a ton of value from your show. And so you have to be you have to be kind of just cocky and you have to, it's like creating a product where it takes a certain amount of guts to put it out there, to believe in it 100% and to know that when you start, you are not stopping for at least six months or a year. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter if people like, literally you get zero downloads, that you are just going to keep doing it because it's something that you have to do, right? It's not about like, other people at this point, like, like as the creator, you have to have this drive within you and this determination to do it no matter what. And that will come through that will show that you're not doing this for the wrong reasons. And I think the wrong reasons are to do it for reassurance. And then, I mean, as, as like a weird flip to that, when you have this assurance and when people can sense in you that you are not quitting no matter what, people get that. They feel that confidence and they get endeared to you. They like you. They they just dig your show more. And then what happens is they email you and they tell you or they leave you ratings and reviews because you don't feel like desperate. I don't ask for ratings and reviews on my show. I stopped like 150 episodes ago because it was just like, Whatever, man. If you like my show, I you're told on every single podcast all the time how much it helps podcasters. You know this shit. You don't 
Sorry, but <laughs> you you like you don't need me also telling you. And I get great ratings and reviews all the time. And oh, it's yeah. just just keep providing value and just have that confidence that I don't need your reassurance. I love that you're there. I absolutely am honored that you download my show and you listen to this show because you have a ton of podcasts to choose from. I tell people that all the time because it absolutely truly means so much to me. But you know what? I'm going to do this anyways. Because I love having these conversations and it's just an extra cool benefit that people want to download them and listen to them. It's, it, it's so many people quit at that whole like five episodes, 10 episodes, 20 episodes, wherever it is, somewhere oh, yeah. in there because they don't get feedback. It's like, geez, That's man, true. like you do not care that much about your show that it's so dependent on somebody else taking out their phone and emailing you to tell you just to continue. Like yeah. I'm going to set up a Facebook or like a, a bot. I'm going to pay a developer a hundred <laughs> bucks, create a bot just for new podcasters, just to like lie to them and be like, your show is great. Your <laughs> show is great. People will just keep podcasting and it'll be awesome. Oh, <laughs> but- it's well. It's well. I mean, it's, it's really sad how many people quit just, you know, at episode seven or eight. It's like, you you know, episode seven is and eight is just you know tipping your toes in the water. It's just you know the very beginning. You're just having the feel of how you know it's, uh, and then you know you're completely right because you know, it's so much fun and I so much enjoy the process itself. That even if you know at the end just two people listen or you know it was just us talking, it, it's still a great fun. It's still a valuable thing. But what I what I'm like a bit curious about very often people when they're starting in the very beginning like you said you, you were planning to have just 30 episodes and um interview specifically chosen 30 people you wanted to talk to so when you don't have the audience in place yet when you are a new person when you don't have your brand out there and you are not known how do you i mean what do you use how do you make sure that the person you approach actually would agree to dedicate that time to talk to you oh this is this is a great question so I had never podcasted before. Nobody knew who I was. I had zero people on an email list. And I started in early July and I just made up an arbitrary date. I was launching on September 5th. I didn't know what the show was called. I didn't have artwork. I didn't, I didn't know anything. But I got really cool people on my show. The way I did it was I have this like small email template that I sort of tweaked. Um, I can share it with your guests if they want. I have it in PDF. Um, and what I did then was I'm on a laptop. That's what I work from. And I just opened up like QuickTime or something it was. And I literally just recorded a video. Two minutes or less, one take was all I allowed myself personally to each of those 30 people. Um, and all I said was quickly like, hey, my name's John Naster. I'm from this tiny little city in the middle of nowhere. Um, here's what I've done in my career. And I want to talk to you about this because I've been watching you because I know these, like I don't know them at all. Like they don't know who I am, but I've been reading their work. I've been following their businesses, all this stuff. And it was like, I think it'd be awesome to talk about this, this, and this. Uh-huh. If you have time, please follow the link below. I literally had people like instantly like, oh, sorry, man, I can't do it. And then like three minutes later, like, whoa, I just watched your video at the bottom. How can I say no to that? I was like, damn right. How can you say no to that? That's like the greatest trick ever if you need people to pay attention. It shows that you care and you're willing to take the time. It doesn't. So what I did then actually to further it, sorry, I I skipped a part, was I published them to YouTube um, as untagged. 
Yeah, what unpublished. What's it called? Uh, on... Uh, yeah. Unlisted. Unlisted, yes, exactly. Yeah, I bet you if I go to my YouTube account right now, there's still 30 videos in there. Um, and those worked like amazingly. And if there's a big guest that I have to do, um, like that I want to get on, I'll still send them one of those. Super short email with this video directly to them. And it works amazingly. It shows that you care. It shows that you aren't just trying to get anybody on your show um, and it's not scalable. You can't get your VA to do it. But you know what? When you're starting out, you got to do things. you got to put in this work if you want it to succeed. There's not an easy way. I don't have an easy, like there's no tool you can use. It's literally free stuff, some free recording thing on your with your webcam and YouTube um, and Gmail. That's all you need. But you have to put in the time and effort. It's those little bits of time and effort that will separate you from 99% of other podcasters, will get you awesome guests that you truly care about, and then will get you started. Well, exactly. I mean, it, it brings me to the two points. Like uh, when, uh, once I spoke with Pat Flynn and he told me, like, if you want to get where others are not, you are, have to be willing to do what others are not willing to do. <laughs> so uh, it, it's basically, you know, the same idea. And and the thing is, like, if you want to interview a person and you, you, if you're not even ready to dedicate two minutes of your time to record a video, uh, you know, maybe you don't really deserve that cast, actually. <laughs> And, yeah, yeah and, and don't worry about them being good. Like, I, we should actually post one of them on this um, because they're probably terrible. They're two years ago. I haven't gone back and watched. And like I said, I couldn't speak in front of a camera or a microphone at that time. I was freaked out. And I only allowed myself one take because I was like, just whatever. The point is that it's a personal thing and it's not going to look polished or anything. It's one go straight to YouTube, straight to a Gmail email and send it off. Well, I can imagine why it worked so well is because also, you know, it was creative and it was different because many people keep on copying what others did and what, uh, you know, worked for others. So they use the same template. They're like, you know, sometimes I'm getting pitches from potential guests uh, and, and they're emailing me and I can immediately detect that it's just a template copied and pasted. There's nothing personal and, you know, it, it's not like they really want to be on my show they just, you know, have the target of being on 10 or 20 shows and they're just, you know, batch sending the thing, copying and pasting it. So you do, I mean, what you did actually made them feel appreciated and made them realize that, you know, it's exactly them that you want to have on your show and it has been justified why. And uh, and I think... Uh, almost no one is doing it. So it definitely will still work and it's still valid. <laughs> It shocks me how little people do it. But it's funny because I saw Gary Vaynerchuk. I've been obsessed with Gary Vaynerchuk for years, um, just as like a personal brand and from business, obviously. Finally saw him yesterday. Some guy asked him this question about like how to get this funding for this idea and like where should he like go to, where should he reach out to, how should he start getting VCs. He, and Gary was like, here's something that nobody does and you're not going to do, but somebody in this room should do this. He's like, literally come up with a list of a thousand possible people. You can scrape LinkedIn or whatever. It's going to take a week to get a developer to do that for you. You're going to have a list of a thousand people. And then every single day for the next year, email three of those people, super short email, what your, what your pitch is and put a video personally to them right in the video. I was like, oh my God, that's my idea. That's amazing. <laughs> He's like, you know what? You're not going to do it. But if you did that for the next year, we'll be sitting here and you'll be funded for a million dollars. 100% trust you. And at the end, the last day set of the year, if you've done this all the way through, put me in for $50,000 
Email me that link and I'll send you $50,000 immediately. Only if you've proven to me you've done it every single day to three people. It's, it's, it's so <laughs> I was like, wow. It's, most people won't do it. But it's really that simple. And it works like you can do this for anything. Not just for getting guests. But if you need to sell something or if you need to pitch your book to somebody, anything. This is how to get people's attention. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think like for those who are just starting, I remember, you know, I'm, I'm getting similar questions like how come I, I was pretty much in the middle of nowhere. Like it's not like I lived in London forever, right? I just moved few few months ago. So I was back in Armenia being the only podcaster in Armenia. So, <laughs> so people were asking me like, how did you do this? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I have this feeling that, you know, uh, we're lucky enough that in general people are lazy. And they're not willing to put enough work into this thing. Like I, I remember myself because of the time difference with with the US. I've been interviewing, you know, recording interviews at three a.m. at four a.m. You know, the odd odd hours like this. But but you know, those were the one of the best interviews and one of the biggest names that I landed on my podcast. So you know, how how are you supposed to say no? This is my sleep time. No way, right? No, exactly. <laughs> but as your show grows, then you get more you're more in control but when you're starting you just have to be there at the beck and call of when that guest can make it if they just say okay can we do it in 20 minutes you drop everything and you make it to that interview that's what it takes to win it's just how it is but then as your show grows it's like you somebody can be like well i want to be on but it's like well i only have so much time so here's the different dates you pick one we'll meet up then um because i don't need you as much as i did at the beginning but at the beginning it's all about making it work so you get the greatest interviews definitely definitely so so what is your uh plan like you know there are so many other new things newer things than podcasting emerging and you know we always hear this this is the new hot thing this is the new emerging thing live streaming is the one you have to get to snapchat is the second thing that you know is is growing fastest and all these things you have so many possibilities like you know do you think that it's you know one should stick to one thing or it's better to repurpose what you have into different different channels like pat flynn was saying you know you should be everywhere like what is the best approach in in terms of presence visibility and branding what should you do you should stick to what you have and what is working and just grow that one thing or you should diversify with the time good question so this is going to vary for for where you are right now and for where you want to be. Um, so I 100% focused on podcasting, although then I started writing for other people and that actually really helped, but that was further on. I was at like 70 episodes or something before I started any of that. I literally just focused on my show. And from the beginning, people are like, you should also publish to YouTube. Why don't you do video ones? Like, that's not what I do. I do audio content on demand for my listeners. And YouTube, I mean, iTunes has been super, super good to me. They drive traffic like crazy. And that's where I focus. I've now since then, like launched another side podcast, like Hack the Entrepreneur Top 10, which is just a repurpose of episodes to a new feed on iTunes. So it gets in new and noteworthy, it gets more people, and it all feeds back to my main site. I'm just actually getting ready to launch another one called Just the Hacks. And I'm going to do 100 Just the Hack part of the episodes. Again, completely repurposed, but using the platform iTunes that treats me really, really well. And because 
I know it. So some people are really good on video and they should just be thriving on that. And they're like really good at sort of social media. I'm not super good at quote unquote social media as in like sharing everything I'm doing all the time. It's just not me. And for me to think that that's what it takes to succeed and so therefore I can't succeed is completely false. So if you're listening and you're like, well, I'm one of those people who loves to update Facebook and stuff like you should be mastering and pushing your stuff out there all the time. It's not me. It would stop me from doing anything that I'm good at, which is talking into a microphone and writing. I'm good at those two things. So I do those two things as well as I can. I don't really write on Medium. I don't really write anywhere except for my site. And if other sites allow me to write for them, I'll write for them. Or I wrote a book. But you know what I mean? Like I, I only, I really am aware of what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. I'm not good at video yet. And I do actually want to get better at video. So I'm thinking of starting some YouTube stuff, like specific things with YouTube, because I want to get over that fear and get better at it. Um, But it's not going to be a main focus. It's just going to be something almost personal to me that I want to get better at. And parts of my audience will dig it. But if you try and be all things to all people, you're going to be nothing to no one. So. Pat Flynn can say that because Pat Flynn's got a massive platform and maybe that's why he has a massive platform, but he also has a whole team around him of people, right? So it's, it's not that it's easy for him, but it's obviously like there's ways to do that. Gary Vaynerchuk literally travels with an entourage videotaping him and recording him audio all the time and writing notes of what he says, publishing blog posts of everything he talks about throughout a day, putting out live videos, putting out like everything. It's not him. It's just him doing his day and people are just recording it and yes. editing it and putting it out. Yeah. If us, you, us yeah, Gary, I mean, we, we exactly. Us, uh, I mean, the same thing, any, right? Exactly. If you if you have an entourage around you that can do all of that, then by all means, publish it everywhere all the time. But most of us don't. Right. So I would really just look inwardly and like you're going to know what your core competencies are. You're going to be good at audio. You're going to be good at video or you're going to be good at like the written word. Figure out what that is and just push the hell out of that thing because trust me, that can take you further than you ever, ever, ever imagined it could. Um, And then you have the luxury after that once revenue starts coming in to then be like, well, maybe I should branch out. That's what I get to do now. But I honestly didn't think audio could take me as far as it did. But I have a lot of people listening to me just talking to a microphone. Um, And that's it. So I just stay focused. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's, it may be the best thing is just batting on your superpowers and, and just, you know, not really getting into the things and learning from scratch or, you know, trying to get better in something which which is not really what you, you are passionate about and what you enjoy doing anyway. So it's not, it's going to have need more effort to, to master and, and much more time than just getting better in what you are, are already good at. So, yeah. Definitely. Okay, so what's what's next? What we should expect next from you? Oh, what should you expect next from me? Um, Show list is something I'm pushing really hard right now. I just moved to Toronto with my family, um, so I'm not in the middle of nowhere anymore, which is really (laughs) cool. Um, So I'm getting out, meeting a ton of amazing people, uh, having coffee and dinners and beers with people, which is really awesome. Um, But Showlist is something, because it's finally merging my software background and my music background, I'm just loving it. So I'm going to try and make this city like take take it over with Showlist um, and then keep pushing out Hack the Entrepreneur. Um, which is really fun. Uh, and then showrunner with copy blogger. So <laughs> I have a ton of things I'm doing. Um, but as for next, I think I just, I really, I want to learn how to go 
um, I want to know what the next thing is I need to do. And I really need to sort of explore myself and people in front of me podcasting. Um, because like I said, what got me to here um, is really amazing and it's truly like super cool, but it will get boring in a few months if I don't keep growing. So I need to find out what's going to get me to there. Um, and there is like, I mean, 50,000 or 100,000 downloads an episode. Um, like That's like media empire type stuff. That's what I want to get to. Um, it's what I feel in my core that I can create. Um, and so I just want to push it as far as I can. Um, so I'll let you know how that sort of journey goes. Oh, I, yeah, I would love to keep updated. So for sure. Well, it's it's been a big pleasure to talk to you. I mean, I, I love this sort of, you know, uh, it, it's it's not really about numbers. It's about the quality and how, how valuable the conversation gets. So I'm absolutely sure that my listeners got most out of both of us today. Awesome. <laughs> so I'm really happy with that. Thanks a lot for coming and thank you for your time. Absolutely my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Okay, well, this was all that I had for you today. I'm sure that you have discovered loads of things. I really enjoyed talking to John and I hope that this interview actually showed you how powerful can a podcast be and how enjoyable and useful and amazing opportunities it may bring to you with the time. So, I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. I'm sure that it will bring a lot to your life once you actually make it happen. So if you have been thinking about podcasting and not taking action up to now, this is the time. Join me at Launch Your Podcast in 7 Days Challenge and I will make sure that you finally launch your podcast and start rocking the mic. So head over to annealexander.com backwards slash challenge annealexander.com backwards slash challenge and we'll do it together let's get over and finally have the podcasts launched and have new listeners who will be listening to you who would be liking your work and who would become your audience of raving fans well, that's all. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I wish you an amazing weekend and I'll meet you in the next episode. Mm-hmm.